0: So we are—we're uh, basically one sermon off finishing our series in James. Um, I'm going to take a, a break over Advent, and then I'm going to finish that one sermon sometime in the new year. Um, I've been looking, uh, enjoying—thank you, babe—enjoying uh, working through James, and. Uh, What a tremendous teacher and pastor he is, and to stand, to sit in his teaching as the brother of Christ, the insight and the revelation he has, the love for the church, and his direct nature, all that resonates with me, and so I hope it has with you as well. And I think this morning's message is very encouraging, it's very uplifting, but there is an undertone of... um, of, of uh, encouragement from James to, to do something that maybe we're not in the habit of doing as often as we maybe should. So I'm going to turn to James chapter 5. If you've got your Bibles, hopefully it's going to appear. Like, oh, there we go. James 5 and verse 13, and we're going to read. And I do hope that you bring your Bibles. I'm, I'm kind of, I know that I preach from my iPad, but I'm a kind of an old-fashioned soul as well. I love to have my Bible and highlight it in my journal. And so uh, we do encourage you to do that on a Sunday morning. It's good to have something that you don't necessarily have to turn on in order to be able to read. Um, call me old-fashioned, but it's the way it's worked for a few millennia. Um, James 5, verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has a great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. I wonder if, um, I, wonder if, if I asked you, I'm going to show you on the screen to give you a little time to ponder this question. Is this, how many prayers have been answered in your life? how many prayers have been answered in your life and i and i wrote this in my journal and i was thinking through it because i could tell you quite quickly what prayers are not being answered in my life right now not being answered but how many thousands and thousands of prayers have been answered in your life that you may not even give any consideration or thought over like it just just so happened coincidentally you got the job or you something happened that you'd been longing after something that you maybe hadn't even been putting a huge amount of attention on but something good happens something comes together in life how many prayers have been answered in your life and another question who is it that's praying for you right now I really hope and I'm, I'm very confident that if you are a Christian, if you are a Jesus follower, if you've committed your life to following Jesus and his teaching, you've got someone in your life who is praying for stuff that you may be completely oblivious to. I'm very, very honored to have people like that in my life. I'm very grateful for uh, the two elders that we have, Janet and Pete, who each week they join with me and Colleen as well in the Hub huddled around the fire and we pray and every week they pray for the pastors of this church and I know that it's not just in that meeting I know that they pray for me and my family and I know lots of other people do so I wonder how many prayers have been answered in your life because it is very easy to focus on those prayers that have not been answered from our viewpoint James is really clear in the scriptures He says, pray when you're suffering, pray when you're sad, pray when you're in trouble, oh, and pray when you're happy as well. And it's that part of our lives that we really quickly forget. When life is going well, do we actually turn our attention to God and just say thank you? We don't teach our kids in this way, only to ask and not ever thank. God is incredibly patient and merciful. He's given us so much. And I want to suggest that if we stop praying, the coincidences would also stop. You know what I mean? Those little things in life that just seem to come together, like keep praying. James is saying you should pray all the time. He says, if anyone's suffering, let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing. So there's sad praying. There's happy praying. There's sad singing. There's sad uh, praying. There's all sorts. Just keep praying praying is what James and he takes it for granted that that's what we're doing there's this tone in this passage that says look if you're a Christian if you're a Jesus follower you should be praying you should be singing I'm so happy that we now have a church building that I can go quiet on the front row and by the way the front row acoustically is not the best place just so you know, and I love people sitting on the front row, and, um, but it's not, but I can still hear the singing, and for those of you who've been at Willow Park South for 20 years, and then here, do you remember the other room was just, like, dead? Like, you could be singing and bursting stuff, and it'd still be, like, dead, and you can actually hear the voices resonate. and then I got excited about singing carols, which will start next week, Advent. Yes. Well, I shouldn't assume. Is it starting next week, love? Brad, are you leading next week? Okay, Brad's leading cows next week. Bring a friend. And a pair of headphones. No, I'm joking. I'm only joking. But to hear the voices resonate as we sing praises to our king, what a beautiful thing it is. Martin Luther said this, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. To be alive without breathing. Prayer and Christianity go together. And even if you're not a Jesus follower, if you not, would not align yourself with Christianity, I almost guarantee you, you've prayed. Even if it's one of these they go, Lord, I don't even know whether you're out there. But if you are, prayers. It's amazing how we revert back to our design in times of trouble. The people will cry out in prayer When they've got nothing else left, it's reverting back to the fingerprint of God that is on you. That isn't evolution, I can guarantee you. That's the Spirit of God that inside of us we have eternity in our hearts, Ecclesiastes says. So to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. The problem with teaching about prayer is it immediately feels like a drive-by guilting. Right? Oh, great. Pastor Glenn's going to stand up there and tell me that I suck... Because I don't pray enough. And that's the kind of feeling that can happen when you preach about, you can feel the energy in the room going, Ugh. because there's always more prayer to be had. I want to encourage you this morning that James is just saying this should be part of our lives. Is there a situation in your life that is not included in sad, happy, or sick, down, up, distant, whatever it might be you're feeling, James says, pray, spend some time on your knees. And I do want to point something out here. This is just as an aside. He refers here to him. Let me just say, when it comes to Bible study, there are times when you can easily replace him or her with think of humankind. In fact, James says in the next verse, a righteous Person. So, these kind of hymns and hers are a natural humankind. It is not this kind of sexist, misogynist, patriarchal kind of society. It's not that, it's just that this book is 2,000 years old. And so there are easily ways that you can replace him and her with person. There are other parts in the Bible you cannot. When the Bible is addressing male or female, you can't replace them with male or female. It's like there's a reason why it's pointed to men and husbands, wives, men, women, and so on. But this, James makes a particular point, interestingly, in the original language to say that I am talking to people, persons. The righteous person. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Two things I want you to notice. Prayer is powerful and it works. Prayer is powerful and it works. And just because we don't understand the power doesn't mean to say it's not. Just because I've never been to Australia doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Just because I've never seen atoms doesn't mean to say they don't exist. Other people were able to observe it. I've not. So just because I don't actually see how the power is working, it's the height of our, especially now, our kind of uh, arrogance to assume that because I don't think it's so, it cannot be so. I like the, uh, the AV, the King James version to this. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. I like that. It avails much. Effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. See, God is a God of much. He's lavish. He's abundant. He's overflowing. And so many of us can give testimony to that. And I want to suggest to you, even if prayer is not part of your life, He is still lavish, abundant, and overflowing. Because you get to live where you live. You are in the top 1% of the world And even those who I've spent time with, who you would say are not in that top 1% of the world, the so-called third world in our world, still have this perspective that God is lavish, abundant, and overflowing. He's a wonderful, generous God. In Psalm 84, verse 11, it says, the Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. And that is why James says is anyone among you suffering let him pray and this tense here this this greek word pray it means keep praying future tense there are things powerful, things effectual, things availing, things working in the future that we have no clue about in the present. You remember a couple of, years ago, a couple of weeks ago when I talked about how God is uh, omniscient, he's omnipotent, and he's omnipresent. And that means also in time. And I could tell when I, sh- I try to explain this that some of you are like, like my wife, when she's trying to watch any movie at all that's got time travel in it. It's like, yeah, no, it's gone. So let me, just, let me just say one thing. God is as much present at the cross of Christ now as he is in this room. That moment when his son died on the cross as a substitute for my sin, is as real to him now, in the second, as that seat feels to you under your posterior in the second. He feels it now as much as he will in the future, because there is no future for God. It is. I am, he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the, I am everything. I am the ultimate. He sees everything all at once at the same time and feels it. So when we pray this prayer that you are praying in your life, I hope, on a regular basis, persevering, keeping praying, that we go, oh, yes, we kind of, lots of faith, screw up your eyes. No, it's not answered. Future tense. Just because you are not experiencing the answer in this moment, in this second, does not mean to say that God is not working powerfully at some point in your future. You can pray for your kids' futures because He's there. And we need to remember who it is that we're praying to He is a God who is much. Keep praying, James says. Keep praying. George Müller, who, uh, and I would highly recommend you read a biography of George Müller. It's a it's a phenomenal story, uh, an, an Englishman who who opened orphanages and refused to ask anybody for any money at all, and everybody said, "Amen." <laughs> he said, "I need God to supply everything." Literally, had hundreds of orphans in uh, in all these orphanages. And he had no way of funding it, but he wanted to show how faithful God was. And he never once asked anybody for anything. All he did was ask God. And every day, and you can read some of his journal entries, it's amazing. He needed, I'm making this number up, you know, $15.53. And he'd be praying this in, praying it in, praying it in. There'd be an envelope left on his front door with $15 solid and the exact amount inside that. It was phenomenal. And he said this, the great fault of the children of God is they do not continue in prayer. They do not go on praying. They do not persevere. And I want to suggest that part of that is because we forget that God is omnipresent. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. He's powerful. He's all-knowing. He's everywhere all at once. Pray to God through that lens and suddenly our moment in time gets much, much smaller. Keep praying, keep praying. There is power in persevering. Keep praying. I was reading this week about the Chinese church. China's obviously in the news a lot all the time, and it's a fascinating country, and, and, uh, and there's information coming out all the time about the rise of Christianity in this communist country. In the 1940s, communism uh, was, was introduced, and the Christians were martyred, and all the missionaries were kicked out. At that time, there was around about a million Christians in that vast land, and no missionaries, no Bibles to speak of, right up until 1980s, that for some of you still feels like the 1940s, because you're young. The 1980s, I still got clothes in my closet from the 1980s, because they're coming back in fashion. I'm going to hold on to them. I'm looking, I used to dress just like Jared, that's all I'm saying. Keep rocking it, mate, you look great. Right up until the 1980s, there was no expression of Christianity. God's not finished. He's a God of much. He is outside of time. People kept praying. They kept on praying. They kept on praying. Today, conservative estimates, 110 million Christians in China, and it's illegal in most ways. That means there are more Christians than there are in France and Germany combined. In fact, some would say, and I have no proof of this, but this is a this is a common thought with people who who do this research, is that there are more Christians in China today than there are members of the Communist Party. Prayer works. John of Antioch said this, The potency of prayer has subdued the strength of fire. It has bridled the rage of lions. It has expelled demons. It has broken the chains of death. It has assuaged diseases. It has rescued cities from destruction. It has stopped the sun and its course. It has arrested arrested the progress of the thunderbolt. And I am sure he meant to add in there, he also provided a building to Willow Park Church South. I look back in my journal this week as we were praying, and those of you who've gone on the journey with us as a church, some of most, a lot of you are new. We got word three and a half years ago that there's a good chance we were going to lose our building, and God, through a series of different ways, opened up the opportunity for this building. And I have in my uh, in my journal March 27th. This is just this last year. I listed all the answers to prayer. I collated, if you like, all my journal, my prayer journal, into a list of the way that God had answered prayer for us to be able to get into this building. And I actually read through the list and thought to myself, actually, it's incomplete (laughs) because there were a few other things I could remember as well. And I have to wear my glasses because I can't read my own writing. What a few days it has been, I wrote to myself. Here's some of the, uh, here are some of the answers I just wrote down. And, you know, my grammar is all over the place because I don't care. I love myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very patient with myself. Actually, that's not true. We were concerned after opening up again in October a year ago. Do you remember when we'd spent that time at uh, 33? And those of you who went to the South, we, we, we estimated... Maximum 30% of people followed us to 33. We were like, oh gosh, when we start portable church again, are we going to have a church? Number one, God drew his people back to Bellevue in October. Number two, a dying man's wish leads to a first Mennonite church opportunity. Thank you, Dan. Favor from First Mennonite Church to start talks. Elders, our elders, giving the go-ahead to put in a bid. Guidance from God about what to bid. The bid's accepted, and the vendor take-back mortgages agreed. Legacy, our mortgage lender saying, what's a vendor take-back? That's where we started, friends. So after explaining it to them, and remember, we're talking about Mennonites, and they're great at change and new things. So... Having explained that, we prayed that they would be okay, and they were. Bid accepted, vendor to take back agreed, legacy saying yes to vendor take back a mortgage. BCMB, our denomination, agreeing to the purchase of the building. The property improvement team came together. Property inspection was passed. Asbestos, nope, and that was a big answer to prayer. And HVAC went from a bill of 300000 to around about 70000 Our two town hall meetings were very favorable, going really well. There was general enthusiasm from Willow Park Church. The elders were praying and kept on hearing yes. The rentals, we are now fully rented in this building, I I put in March, that fit lining up so well. $420,000 was raised in 30 days. I'm going to say that again. I love saying that. I told that to somebody the other day. I went, we raised $420,000 in 30 days. And they went, what? I went, yep. And almost $200,000 increase in giving per year in order to operate the building. All we could do is some more. City also gave their favor regarding rentals. The list just goes on and on. Then we had this overwhelming support in our church meeting. God still answers big prayers. Do we, I thank him every time I'm in the hub. Thank you for this building, God. Do we plan towards prayer? We have other plans. We need a plan for this as well. I love the Puritan, uh, and this is worth remembering. It's very easy. It's four words. Are you ready? This is what the Puritans used to say. Pray until you pray. You want to know how to Pray. Pray. Pray until you pray. I love the word also they used to say, how do you know, that? why does God love us? God loves us because he loves us because he loves us. I like the Puritans. They're just very succinct. Pray until you pray. Be persistent. Keep going. Let me encourage you, friend. That thing that you are praying for, maybe you've forgotten and you're not praying about it anymore. Remember, God is outside of time. Jump back into that promise and keep praying. Pray until you pray. So perseverance is so important. And secondly, power in being righteous. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working, James said in verse 16. Then he gives you this example that makes my heart sink. Elijah, really? This is the guy you're going to give me as an example of somebody righteous? Like Elijah, who actually didn't die. He just went to heaven in a chariot. I mean I do well in one of those little scooters. (laughs) He gets a chariot, he calls down fire from heaven. He prays for the widow and her oil never ends. He lays on a young man who is dead and and breathes life back Elijah Boy. That's me out then. I can't even get my car to start in the morning or pass an exam when I pray. Not the fact that I don't work for it. That you know, work. This dude called down head fire from heaven. I could do, that, could do a bit of that for my boss at work. That'd be great. Not Phil. I'm, I'm being third person. I'm, <laughs> Elijah? That's me out. Prayer only works when I'm righteous. And the example he gives me is Elijah. But keep reading. Keep reading with a nature like ours. So he's just like you and me. So the key thing is, is this righteousness. The prayer of a righteous person. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. So, we've got a problem. Here's the problem. I really want you to listen to this. This is the most important part of my sermon. If you haven't been listening so far, dial into this. You are screwed, theological word, without being righteous when it comes to prayer. The Bible says that. God actually says, I close up my ears to the non-upright. doesn't matter what you do. It talks about it all the way through Old Testament. I don't care how much money you give. I don't care how loud you sing. I don't care what good deeds you do. I don't care any of it. I'm paraphrasing. If you are not upright, I will literally close heaven to you. (sighs) Upright. Righteous. This word righteous is so, so powerful. You can break it apart. It means right standing. Righteous person. So I can have a nature like Elijah because he was a bit of a mess up in many ways. He was just like us. He got depressed. He got scared. He ran away. He was far from perfect. So how can this imperfect person approach God and see fire come from heaven? It's because he was righteous. He was upright. What is it? that makes us righteous, it's Jesus, it's Jesus, look at what it says in Isaiah 61 verse 10, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord, my soul shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation, and he has covered me with a robe of righteousness, righteousness, So when God looks at me and when he looks at you, he leans into my prayer because I am righteous, not of my own righteousness, but the righteousness that has been given to me by Jesus. Now, this is a very thick theological framework to work through. And so for me to kind of disseminate this down to something that feels real As an illustration I've used many times before, and it's honestly the best, and all analogies and all illustrations fall short when it comes to God, and this one will as well. But the best way I can describe this is using a couple of sheets. Imagine if you will, and I'm going to get a couple of volunteers that I'm going to choose, because they're the best kind of volunteers. Imagine this is me without Jesus in my life. This represents the sin in my life the sin that I was born with if you're not sure whether that's true get a toddler (laughs) it's just part of our nature i never said this so many times I never had to sit down with my kids and say look you need something that's going to be an ever-present help in times of trouble here's how you lie it just comes out of them it's what we're born with and we just get better at it as we get older don't we It gets bigger and bigger, until eventually it just feels like the real you, the one that was designed and created by God, is completely hidden by the sin and shame that is in our life, that we're desperately going to therapists and self-help and other things. I'll do anything to try and get rid of this. All the time, it just wraps around our souls, and it's this that God can't have anything to do with. Because you cannot have any part of sin. You are not in right standing with God. So God made a way, and that's what we celebrate at Christmas. It's Jesus coming, and it says he gave up so much of his divinity. He was 100% God, 100% man. We know that there are parts of Jesus' life where he wasn't aware of things. He asked questions. He wasn't fully versed in in all of God's will because he said, not my will, but your will. I don't know when I'm coming back. But Jesus comes in full power, a a perfect life, sinless. So I need a good Jesus. Jared, you're my Jesus. Come on up, mate. You can get that white sheet over there and you can drape yourself majestically. It's courtesy of Kelowna Christian School. Thank you. Okay, Jesus comes. Come stand over here, mate, because you're not on video. Okay, try and look holy. See, this is Jesus' right standing with God. This is his righteousness. What does the scripture say? He clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with a robe of righteousness. And so there's this there's this amazing opportunity and time. Remember God is fully there right now. Where he allowed his son in fact he said you have to go to the cross. And what happens is is that he takes on My sin, this is where the analogy breaks down because it doesn't mean to say that I am without sin or without righteousness, but he takes on this. It actually says that he becomes a curse on our behalf, that he carries all the sin, not just your sin, but every sin to all those who believe in him. From now all the way past, he carries it cosmically. He's holding on to it. Imagine the weight. The weight of your sin is bad enough for you. He took everybody's sin, all those who believe in him. And it died with him. It dies. comes off of me and it's called imputed. So my sin is imputed onto Jesus. And it dies. And it's done away with. And then in doing so... His righteousness, don't go anywhere, Jared. See, this is where the analogy breaks down because it was way quicker than this when Jesus did it. His righteousness becomes my righteousness so his righteousness is my righteousness now. His righteousness imputed onto me. So now when God looks at me and hears me and, wants to, and sees me in life, he doesn't just see me in my sin, which he has nothing to do with. He can't. We can't have a God who is fully, uh, fully just and fully powerful, who has something to do with sin, because it would make him not just. It would make him imperfect. So he's perfect. But he doesn't see that anymore. He sees this. And what do we do? We try and step out of this Christian friend. We forget that we're clothed in his righteousness forever. So when Jesus died, it actually says he's now interceding for us. We're stood with him that we are fully righteous. We can approach the throne with his righteousness. Not my right stand, not my money, not my good gifts, not my anything. His work. When he was smashed on the cross, why was the cross so despicable and shameful and horror-filled? It's because my sin is. And him rising from the dead, beating the snot out of death forever, means that I'm no longer going to die. I have life and life to the full. Thank you, mate. You can. We'll leave the robe of. This is where the analogy fails again. Thank, Jared. He was like us, Elijah, but he was righteous. See, so being righteous is not based on anything you do. If your sins are not, uh, sorry, your prayers are not being answered, it's not because you are doing something wrong. Jesus is the one who died, more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is interceding for us. So then James goes into the next part. And I'm going to go through this quite quickly. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with the the oil in the name of the Lord. A couple of things. First of all, we have a tendency in church to turn preferences and tradition into code. This is the way we've always done it. This is the way the denomination does it. This is the way the church does it. Therefore, this is the way everybody should do it. And if they're not doing it this way, they're wrong. Do you notice something? It says, let him, the person who's sick, call for the elders of the church. So if we were going to turn that into code, we wouldn't have prayer at the front of the altars. It would be the elders going out to the churches, uh, out to the homes. We do both. There's no code here. Let him call. He's just saying, look, he's taking it for granted. If you are sick, you're going to ask the elders to pray for you. Is that our first impulse? I think I can answer on behalf of you all and me, no. Now, I'm not talking about like i got a bit of a sniffle. I need, you know, I need Pete Jackson to come around and visit me and pray for me. I'm, I'm sure he probably would. But, but do we actually think, I'm going to get people to pray for me? The prayer of faith. This is where the church has got into some trouble. Because what has happened is, is that if you have not got enough faith, therefore you are not getting healed, you are doing something wrong. Which is completely negates everything I just showed you because it's got nothing to do with you. It's your righteousness uh, because Jesus is righteous. You are righteous because Jesus is righteous, not because you've done stuff, not because you screwed up your eyes and you've been really clever and you've repeated this scripture over and over. You've sent money to a strange guy off the TV with a weird haircut and he's sent you a bit of cloth to dab on your forehead and you've not got enough faith. You need more faith. You need more faith. And it's like it brings condemnation and shame and guilt and it is unbiblical and evil. Do not think... That faith is about you trying your hardest to get God to like you enough to answer your prayers. Because what do we do with this scripture? I say this all the time. God, I believe, help my unbelief. This kid gets healed. I believe, help my unbelief. Imagine if you've got a little kid and a little child and they fall over and they scuff their knee and they're screaming out. And we go running over as their parents, and we go, hmm, can you articulate what it is that's wrong exactly? Also, if you could just try a little harder to show me that you have no doubts of my ability to help, then I will consider helping you, possibly, but actually I like this person better, so I'm probably going to go and help them first. But that's the framework we have when it comes to crying out. Sometimes you can't even use words. God comes running. A prayer of faith, this one commentator said, is simply a very specific, very direct, very persistent request based on what you know about God. And Christian friend, what we know about God is you are clothed in his righteousness and you are welcome to the throne. You have access because of the blood of Christ. We know that about God. We know he's merciful. We know he's kind. We know he answers prayers all the time that we give him no credit for. Let's be persistent. Let's ask. Look what Jesus says. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest, but only if you don't doubt, and you've only been really good this week. No. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. James says, let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing with oil. Oil at that time was also medicine. So Jesus has given us common sense. So oil was also representative of the Holy Spirit. So we don't reject medicine. We've got great doctors in this church. I'm very grateful. Let me tell you, if you're sat here, you are well covered right now. Because if something was to happen, we have all sorts of skills ready to jump at the aid. Well, I assume. So We pray. God, whether you want to do it miraculously and supernatural in this moment or you want to use one of the doctors, that's fine by us. Just heal. So Jesus doesn't replace common sense. If he's committed sins, he will be forgiven. Friends, I have to say, I chewed on this one. First of all, there's an expectation of confession. But why is sin and healing linked? Is it because of sin that you're sick? Maybe. Maybe. I think, you know, it's well known that spiritual, emotional issues, issues of anger, issues of guilt, issues of anxiety, issues of fear make you sick. Ulcers, headaches, colitis, whatever it might be, the list goes on and on and on. And so, yeah, I think they are linked in some way. But it's not a, I'm going to stop healing you because of your sin, because Jesus actually dealt with the sin if we come to him and confess our sins. So spiritual healing can cause physical healing, I believe. And then perhaps the most troubling part of the verse is this, and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. Let's just get really real as we bring this to a close. Prayers go unanswered all the time. All the time, and I would be unloving to say that if you try harder, God will do whatever you want to do like he's some cosmic vending machine. Prayers go answered all the time, and I know in this moment, in this building, listening online, in this room, there are people who are desperate to see prayers answered, and it is causing you understandable frustration and anxiety. And you're asking big questions that you don't utter because you're scared to hear you say them. God, are you real? Do you love me? Why are you letting this happen? Why are you not letting this happen? Prayers go unanswered all the time. Jesus, remember this, please. Jesus asked for something that did not happen and he was perfect and righteous. Remember in the garden? Father, if it's possible, can you let this cup pass from me? But not my will, but yours be done. See, Jesus had limited understanding when he was on this planet. He didn't walk around an inch off the ground, blonde hair and blue eyes and a bathrobe, speaking thenceforths. He was a real guy. He swung a hammer for a living. Father, if there's any other way... Let this cup pass from me. He, had, he was perfect in faith. He had no sin. And he had no doubt. God didn't answer his prayer. Well, he needs to try harder. Tim Keller does some stunning teaching and writing around the issue of prayer. And, you know, he recently passed away from cancer. And I highly recommend you listen to his last, that I listened to, podcast around prayer and sickness and everything, just stunning, and, you know, he doesn't even know it, but he's been such a mentor and influencer in my life. He said this, takes a couple of readings, God will either give you what you ask for, or he will give you what you would have asked for if you knew everything he knows. Let me say it again, because for me, it took me like eight or nine times. God will either give you what you ask for, God, give me this, yes, or, he will give me what I would have asked for if I knew everything he knew. In other words, thank God for unanswered prayers. Do you remember Bruce Almighty? And he, All these prayers are coming in. It's a great scene. Because he's, he's God. Okay, he's not really. So don't, please don't send me your emails. Um but he's, he's been given all the power of God and he's got inundated with prayers and he tries post-it notes and he tries this brilliant, brilliant movie, uh, this, this particular scene. I don't think I can recommend all of it. I get into trouble when I do that and then I watch it all and I go, <laughs> but this scene is great. And he gets inundated and eventually he just goes, ah, oh. he does like control, alt, A, yes to everything. And then chaos ensues. See, God loves you so much, he can't wait to shower you with blessings. Why would he ever not answer a prayer of yours? Because of his mercy and love. Because we have such limited understanding of what's going on in this moment. God will either give you what you ask, or he will give you what you would have asked if you knew everything he knows. And so we need to lean into that. So friends, if you are sad or you're happy or sick, pray. If you are down, if you are not up, if you are knocked about, pray. Remember he's outside of time. Remember that he loves you. Remember there's mercy. That even though it feels painful in this moment, remember that his view is bigger than your view. Remember that there's times when healing comes and times it will doesn't come and to him be the glory for your joy and for his glory. Remember that Jesus took your sin, your shame, and it died with him for all those who believe, not for everyone, for all who believe and his righteousness is your righteousness that leads you to the throne of grace that you may ask in the first place. That is God and his loving and mercy. And I preach this to myself. My wife is sat there right now and she knows we are praying for things and I get frustrated. God, why don't you? I preach this to myself. He knows. He loves me. But I need to spend more time on my knees. Amen? So here's what we're going to do. We have a Willow on Prayer meeting tonight. I would love it for you to come out. We're going to pray then. We're going to join with our Ukrainian brothers and sisters and pray. For those of you who like to pray quietly, we're going to let that happen as well tonight. We're going to open up the building. You can walk about the building. You can sit here. We're going to pray. We need to gather together and pray. But right now, we're going to pray. So I've asked uh, for some of the uh, elders and ex-elders to make themselves available and other people to come. and We're going to to stand at the front. We want to pray for you. We want to pray for you. It might be that you need prayer because you are sick. It might be that you need prayer because your kid is a prodigal or you have a prodigal brother or sister. We want to pray for you because you're just feeling the weight of something. Maybe on behalf of someone else, we want to pray for you. Sarah's going to play quietly in the background and we're going to sing quietly. We're all going to get involved and then we're going to sing our final song together. But friends, come receive prayer because he loves you. Amen. So, Sarah, why don't you come up? Why don't we stand together? Let's just ask those who are willing to pray for people to come forward. Make yourself available. If you're in the balcony, it's only a little trip. uh, come and get some prayer let's close our eyes and start worshipping and then at any moment you can come forward and receive prayer in our worship time dear Lord we thank you and praise you for who you are that Jesus as silly an illustration as it is that I just showed Lord the depth of that moment all my sin dying with you and all of your righteousness being applied to me what a moment and so lord we stand in that righteousness and lord we want to pray together and so, god i pray that even now as the wrestle is happening in people's minds and hearts that they know that they should get prayer lord i pray that your voice will prevail you Jesus you know if you're wondering whether or not you should come forward and get prayer you should so I help with that request because there's only one reason why something's going on in your mind and it's not the devil come and get some prayer for everyone else let's close our eyes we can quietly sing we can quietly pray and enjoy this moment together but please come forward and receive prayer thank you